Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so we're in First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve uh, this morning here, trying to finish up chapter twelve, and then we have thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen, which are pretty incredible chapters, uh, and then chapter sixteen, we kind of wrap it up, and then after that, we're going to go into a little um, special. Our brother Carl's going to do a few services. I don't think we've determined what that's going to be yet, but uh, on um, end times, you know, as we. Of course, Israel's flaring up again, if you've been catching the news, with the bombing and killing of that um, uh, Islamic brigade uh, leader or something over there in Gaza, and then followed up by a few more, and, you know, it's brewing again, and then we were talking about the weather and just how extreme it is in certain parts of the world, and it just, again, reminder that we're in the end times, and um, so we're going to focus on all those things for a few weeks. Uh, it's always great to have the prophetic updates and update it and, you know, um, because all these things have uh, great meaning and significance, I believe, and um, the fact that it just points towards Jesus' time for, uh, to, for him to take his church out of here. And, um, you know, that can do nothing but encourage us. Even though we see the world falling apart and it gets frustrating and we know things are going to get worse and worse and worse, but, you know... As Jesus said, you know, look up because our our redemption draws near or nigh. So um, anyway, it's always good to go over those things. I, I, I really enjoy that. But this morning we're here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're kind of kind of finish this chapter off with spiritual gifts, uh, you know, uh, part two, if you would. And, and the last time we went over um, uh, some of the gifts, and of course, First 12, if you wanted to scan your eyes up your page a little bit, you know, there's a variety of gifts, but the same spirit that gives them all. And, uh, you know, they all come from the Lord. And then if you want to scan your eyes up a little higher, notice that verse 1 of chapter 12 says that, you know, these are things we're not to be ignorant about. You can't just say, well, this group has got this, and these guys believe that, and that people do that, and this people do that, and this is what I church I was you know, spiritually raised in doesn't mean you're raised from a, you know, two years old or whatever, you know, whenever you came to know the Lord, whatever age that is, and you kind of, you know, learned a lot about the Lord in that church, you know, they probably had some specific doctrines in regards to the gifts of the Spirit. Um, And, um, you know, uh, you know, you kind of stick with those or kind of stick within you, you know, sometimes. And, uh, you know, oh, that's just the way it is, or that's, you know, what I think it always is. It's what I always learned, always taught. But we're, we're not supposed to have that attitude. Uh, you know, it's one of those things we're not to be ignorant about. We're supposed to know, and we're supposed to have a, we're supposed to know them. And it should be very clear in all of our minds um, what the gifts mean, what they do, the application for them, and, and how they work in and through our lives. It's just not something that we can say, well, you have your opinions, I have my opinions, and we have this. We should know what it says and be able to, you know, point to Scripture to say this is where we get, that's why we say what we say or do what we do. And, you know, again, there's a little over a handful or so verses that talk about not being ignorant, and this is one of them. And so we did talk about Again, last time, uh, verse 8, you know, the word of wisdom is one of the gifts, word of knowledge, uh, another faith, uh, gifts of healings, and and then we kind of left it off there in uh, the end of chapter 9 there, and we have a few more gifts, and then we'll kind of summarize it here. So let's go before the Lord and pick it up in verse 10. Father, we do thank you for this time, Lord, and the time we get to worship and lift up our voices to you, Lord, and it's always great to sing out those psalms because it just, uh, you've made David a a great focal point for um, the heart of a worshiper. Uh, And so, Lord, it's always great to to hear that and to hear his heart in the words that you inspired him to write, Lord. And so we thank you for that, Lord, and we ask that you would, again, Help us to know these things and not be ignorant about uh, what you tell us to to know and um, to be sure of, Lord. So bless this time, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, so on to the gifts. So verse 10 says, to another working of miracles. Um, and again, there is a special times and a special way to do uh, miracles. Think of Peter raising uh, Tabitha. Remember, she was, uh, was also called Dorcas. How could you forget that name, right? <laughs> we make fun of that. I don't know, I make Dorcas. Anyway, um, she was a great gal and uh, in the church. And, you know, she had passed away somehow. He doesn't tell us. And, you know, the Lord felt that Peter was um, to be used to resurrect her, bring her back to life, if you would. And so, you know, that's one of those things of, of miracles. Uh, Paul um, gets washed ashore in the shipwreck. He's gathering firewood. I don't know about you, but if I just washed ashore after a shipwreck, I wouldn't be worried about a fire. I'd just be, you know, on the, on the side. It was funny. We were down in Mexico and um, we took, Ethan and I took some kayaks across this bay to the other side where there's some cliffs and some caves. And we went over there and, and um, uh, you know, we went over there fine. And, you know, there were some nice boat, yacht kind of things coming in and out. And, and we saw this big sea turtle. It was really cool. And, but as we were heading back, I wanted to see how deep it was by this cliff. So I was taking my paddle and I was trying to push it down to see if I could touch the bottom. And it totally rolled me over. And... Don't laugh at me, Ethan. I couldn't get back in that kayak. For well, I could get back into it, but every time I get into it, it would waterlog it so much that it just wouldn't float. And, and so Ethan goes, Dad, I'm tired of you trying to get back. I'm just going to pull you back. So literally, I'm in the water, and it's beautiful. The water is beautiful, of course. So, you know, it's not like you're cold or anything. It's, it's totally refreshing, and he tows me back there. And so, you know, uh, anyway, we were... If I get back to the beach, I don't know about him, but I was tired just from that, let alone a shipwreck with Paul, right? So, uh, you know, but here he is collecting firewood, back to our story. And you remember the story of this poisonous steak, you know, happened to be among the sticks he was gathering, bit him, and of course he shook it off and nothing happened to him. He, he didn't die. Um, again, uh, there is works of miracles that happen at certain times in certain ways as the Lord chooses to do that. Uh, these whole things about miracle services and come here to witness miracles and do this and do that, not found in Scripture at all. As a matter of fact, it's, 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 it's uh, I guess I could define it as random. And when the Father chooses to do that, you can't set an appointed date and a time when the miracles are going to happen, okay? Um, and usually I find that this working of miracles also is accompanied with uh, the gift of faith that we talked about, right? Because I don't know about you, you know, imagine, uh, you know, the Lord's telling you, hey, there's a guy sitting in a wheelchair outside a Target over here or something like that. And, you know, I know the Lord wants to touch him, well, heal him. And let's say, and, you know, but man, if I go up there and try to pull the guy out of the wheelchair and he fall, you know, people will look and they'll think it's, you know, I'm abusing a disabled person or whatever, right? And, you know, you can have all these doubts, at least that's the way I would be, rushing to your mind. And the Lord, I think, is faithful to give us that extra measure of faith to trust Him to accomplish the miracles that He wants to accomplish when He wants to accomplish them. So we see how those kind of gifts work hand in hand. And then the next one to another prophecy. You know, it, it's really to speak forth, but it also could speak of things to come. So it's not necessarily uh things that are going to take place in the future. You know, you can uh, prophesy in the way the New Testament talks about it, because the Old Testament, even worshiping, was considered prophecy. Um, so there's a number of, of definitions the Bible gives prophecy, but for the most part, you're speaking forth God's Word, and it could include things that haven't yet come to pass. It's not always completely things that are going to happen in the, in, the, in the future. It literally means to speak forth. Um, you know, telling God's word to God's people. Um, uh, we would consider what's happening right now uh, that gift of teaching and I believe prophecy because prophecy really um, entails edification, exhortation, or comfort. Um, you know, words that are spoken at the time when they're needed. You know, sometimes you come to church and, and, you know, or different circumstances, you know, where you need that encouragement, you need that comfort, you need that exhortation to, you know, hey, you know, you're discouraged or this isn't going right or, you know, you're weary from doing good and you need that, hey, keep going. Or, you know, sometimes you get on the, 
you know, get off the track a little bit and you need the edification. You need to get, you know, get it clear in your mind. And so, you know, that's all part of prophecy. And we'll see that when we get into uh, chapter 14. It'll, it'll define those things as we just talked about there. And we'll, we'll see that that's why I say what I say about uh, prophecy there. Um, again, it's never anything that's in opposition to the Word of God. Um, case in point, um, I don't know if they still do it or not, but you know, they're, you know, you've heard guys on TV. I have at least, you know, where they'll say, "All right, ushers, I want you to to close the back of the doors." And uh, the Lord told me that there's ten people in here today that are going to give ten thousand dollars each. <laughs> you know, like he's speaking prophecy. And so I want you 10 people, because he told me that there's 10 in here that are going to give $10,000 each, and I want you to please stand up. And nobody's going to leave until they stand up. Literally saw that on TV, okay? And, uh, you know, uh, that is not prophetic, even though the guy said, you know, it was speaking as if it was prophetic. Not what we're talking about at all. And so, again, it always has to accompany, or it always has to align uh, and it's never anything about modifying or an opposition of God's word. It's not from the Lord. And again, there's always that discernment. We'll talk about that in chapter 14 as well, um, how these things work in the church, and it's not going to ever contradict God's word and, and what he has said. So if it does, then you just, I don't care if you think you're the super prophet of the world and you're threatening me with all these spiritual curses or whatever they do, uh, just ignore it because it's... It's not from the Lord. All right, and then um, as we uh, finish up here, the last couple of them, as to another, it says discerning of spirits. Uh, now, this is not, oh yeah, I got a person figured out. I see what's going on. I know these things. You know, I can tell by what a person looks like or what they say or, you know, how, they, how their facial expressions are. I can tell what's going on with them. Not at all. <laughs> That's not what discerning of spirits is all about. Um, you know, usually, if you, if you think that way, you usually come up with wrong conclusions. Um, it, it's something given to you, where you, you know, by the Holy Spirit, where you can really see what's going on. It's as, as if, you know, these are, the Lord gives you spiritual glasses to, to see what's really going on in the situation. Um, and... Um, uh, Again, I guess Acts chapter 16 is a good example. Remember that girl that was following around Paul and Barnabas? Sorry, yeah, Paul and Barnabas. And she was saying, uh, you know, these are people are speaking for the Most High God. And, you know, she would follow them around. Hey, these guys are speaking about who the Most High God. These guys are speaking, you know, and you think, wow, okay, she's uh, well known in that area. She you know, was considered uh, one that could tell the, the fortunes and future of people. And so she was saying what was right. Um, certainly it was. And you think people would, you know, enjoy the extra added notoriety. But, you know, the Lord gave Paul those spiritual glasses, if you would, the discerning of spirits and realized that was not from the Lord. That was, you know, from the enemy. She was demonically possessed and, you know, and obviously saw that it was demonic and not Lord-inspired. And so uh, that's discerning of spirits. Um, it's, uh, you know, people can come up and say all sorts... The great thing about this is people can say all sorts of stuff and they could tell you a story or tell you what happened to them or tell you why they did this or did this. And, and it's great because, you know, the Holy Spirit can give you this gift and, and it can just kind of discern right through... What's going on? He gives you eyes to see uh, of really what's happening there. And when the Lord gives you that, um, you know, you're talking to somebody and they're saying this and he's telling you, oh, this is really what's going on. You know, you, you got to trust. Okay, so you give me the discerning of what's really going on here. And, and it's nothing you could have known about, right? It's not something that you could have figured out by putting this together, putting this together. It's nothing you could have figured out by adding up all the factors and coming to a conclusion. This is something given to you supernaturally to see what's really going on here. And, you know, I, I, this is a very important gift to help, you know, because sometimes a person not necessarily even so much consciously, consciously has built up like, okay, the reason I'm doing this and saying this or acting this way is because of this, this, and this. And they kind of convince themselves 
deceptively, um, you know, that this is really why, and this is the reasons, this was going on, and this is why they're doing, you know, and then it's great when the Lord gives you that, and you kind of cut through all that for them and say, no, no, this is really what's happening, this is what's really going on, and, and you know, really revealing to you that, not that you can put anybody down, not that you could slap them in spiritual handcuffs or this or that, you know, again, these things are all for the edification of the body, that you might make it clear, and of course, if it's demonic, to call it out as such as well. And so, very important. Uh, you know, the Lord wants to expose uh, what's really going on in a situation. And then the last two here in this first section, it says, to another different kinds of tongues and uh, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now, we're going to spend some time talking about this in chapter 14 as well, but I think... Uh, just to sum this up, um, you know, their gift of tongues can be uh, defined as different languages, but it's also considered a, uh, a heavenly language, a prayer language. Um, so you know, it can be taken either way, and typically used here, for the most part, it's really talking about this, this heavenly language, although I want to do want to uh, point out that it's not um, not exclusively that necessarily. You know, there, you can get at tongues and speak in a different language uh, to share the gospel, and I'm sure he does that with missionaries and different groups. And you go to a certain part, or even you know, learn a, a second language in a sense that he gives you that miraculously to do that. But for the most part, we'll refer to it as this heavenly language, which is a, a communing between us and our Heavenly Father, not in the English language for us, let's say, not in our natural tongue, if you would. Now, notice that this is a gift. And some churches get this way out of whack. This is one of those things that kind of gets way out of whack, because some churches take this gift way past what Scripture says it is. As a matter of fact, I, I like this quote, and uh, let me put it up there. It says, The ability to pray in a tongue is not the evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. This emphasis has led people to seek the gift of tongues and to counterfeit it, merely to prove to themselves and others that they are really filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and that's, that's very true. A lot of churches, well, a lot of churches that, you know, speak a lot of time, typically it's the Pentecostal churches that do this. They'll say the evidence of you having the Holy Spirit is the gift of tongues. It's in their doctrine. Uh, it's literally in their church doctrine that you have to speak in tongues in order to really be a believer. And that's not at all what the scripture says at all. Um, it, it doesn't say that in the least. And again, um, we'll We'll talk about that as we go through here, but it is a gift. It's given to certain people and not all people, and it does have its use, and it is a blessing, just like all the other gifts. Um, but in the church, uh, the gift of this heavenly language, if it's used in the church, which is it's not really, um, Lord, use it in the church, not in a everyday frequent sort of thing, but he does use it. It's, it's meant, you know, uh, I think for the larger share in the private use of a person, but it can be used in, in the church service, but there's limitations on it, and we'll talk about that in um, chapter uh, 14 as we get to that. So, you know, again, it always, and it always follows an interpretation. If it's public, it's always interpreted so that everybody might know what's being said. If it's not interpreted, then we'll find out in chapter 14 that person is to shut the yapper, zip the lip, and sit down because uh, you know there is no interpretation and it won't do anybody any good because nobody's going to understand what was said. And so that gets all kind of fussied out, messed up. And because of the way it does get highlighted and elevated way out of place, and you have the reactionaries on the other side saying, oh, you know, and they want to divide the gifts into these kind of gifts, these kind of gifts, and these kind of gifts, and these kind of gifts, we don't use them anymore, and these are okay, and these are so, you know, they, it comes to washing 
well, the old saying, throwing out the baby with the bathwater. And that's not right either. Um, but again, um, you know, we'll talk about that as we move along here. But chapter, or verse 11 is just really key and important um, here. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So just keep that in mind. Um, he is showing that there are many gifts, and the Holy Spirit is the one who distributes to each one as he wills. Um, and it's not about you. It's not about what you necessarily desire or what you necessarily want. You know, he does it for the edification of the whole church, as we'll see, for the whole body. And if he puts you in a ministry or to do these things or to help out here or, or doing this, then he gives you the gifts and the abilities to perform that. Um, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. And remember, this, these gifts and the ministry and the gifts of the Holy Spirit can't be earned through spirituality or through money, for that matter, as it talked about in, in the book of Acts. They're given sovereignly by God as he sees fit. Just remember that. And it's okay to want him. It's okay to ask for him. Lord, I want discernment in this. Lord, can you give me, you know, uh, the spiritual discernment in here? Can you give me a word of wisdom? Can you give me some knowledge in this situation? There's nothing wrong with asking for them, certainly, and I think we should, but he chooses to give us those gifts when he chooses us uh, to want to use them. I, I like how Romans uh, 12, uh, 6 through Eight, you know, says this, because um, I, I like how it summarizes it here, and it also talks about the gifts here in Romans 12. It says, We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in the proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is uh, contribution, uh, contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So again, the bottom line is, whatever gifts were given, we also need to use them, put them to use. We want to use our gifts. We don't want to be ignorant about them. We want our heart to be, Lord, I want to be the person ready to receive Whatever gifts you choose to give me, to use them however you choose to see fit. That's really our heart. And really, you know, it's just always good to check our hearts. I know I need to. It's just that, you know, Lord, you know, how much do I desire to be used by you? How much deeper do I want to go? Do I earnestly desire these gifts and the gifts that you want and, and other ones that we're discussing here? Do you want to give me to accomplish thing, the, the work that you have set me to do? Um, is that our heart? And, and, and the gifts that we do have, and we've all been given at least one gift, we've talked about that, are we using that gift as God has intended for us to use it? And again, the only reason we have these gifts is that the body of Christ might be edified, God might be glorified. It's for the, the, the total good, not to make us look more spiritual or to get attention or this or that or anything else, as we've talked about last time as well. So there we have kind of the lift, lift, uh, listing of the gifts here. And then he'll continue to talk about it here in verse 12, and it says, um, For as the body is one and has many members... But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spiritual, uh, into one Spirit. So again, what he's saying here, and now we're not talking about water baptism here. The idea is that we, uh, we all have the Holy Spirit in us. You know, we're all together in this. Though we might have different gifts, 
and we do have different gifts and we want to have different gifts, it's all for the common good or for the same goal, if you would. Because he thinks, he's, it looks like a, like a body, right? And he'll describe that here in a little bit. You have hands that do certain things. You have a nose that does certain things. You have, you know, your feet do certain things. Your heart does certain things. You understand. That's why he gives us the illustration of the body. There's many parts to it. They're all important. They all work together so, you know, that you can do whatever you need to do with your body. And he uses that to say the church, okay? They have these gifts, these gifts, these gifts. They're all important and they're all to work together. You know, you don't have one hand, you know, saying, well, I, I, you know, I, I'm tired of typing today. You left hand do all the typing today on the keyboard, right? And, and I'm just, I'm done with it. Or the feet might say, you know what? I've been, I've been you guys, you've been standing on me all day. I'm tired, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to stand anymore. I mean, how would that work, right? Obviously, I'm being kind of ridiculous here. But in one sense, you know, we, we don't, that doesn't happen in our body. We work together on that. And the, and the idea behind this and the goal behind all this and the reason behind all this is that we all work together. And we're all together for the common good, you know, this common immersion that we have, if you would, in the Holy Spirit. We're, we're one body, uh, just as we're all, you know, one in the Holy Spirit and in the church, okay? That's what he's saying. We're all together in this. We're all tied. No Lone Ranger, no, um, I don't know, what's another person that's by himself? I guess Lone Ranger wasn't by himself. <laughs> anyway, one of those superheroes is by himself or whatever, uh, you know, whatever. I guess they all pair up now for more movies, but you, you know what I'm talking about. You know, nobody's just the John Wayne of, you know, the church and, you know, I'm going to head out on my own, do my own thing kind of a deal. So uh, if you don't know who John Wayne is, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Look it up. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So we're all for the common good, right? But verse 14, for in fact, the body is not one member but many if the foot should say because i am not a hand i'm not of the body is it therefore not of the body and if the ear should say well because i'm not an eye i am not of the body is it therefore not of the body if the whole body were an eye where would be the hearing and if the whole uh, were hearing where would be the smelling but god has set the members each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. Uh, you know, I, I like that last part, you know, just as he pleased. That's kind of an underlinable part for me here because we're all part of the body and each one has a function or a role to play. One can't say you should be, you know, you should all see like I see or you should all hear like I hear or you should all speak like I speak or you should all you know, be able to hold a pencil like I can hold a pencil or whatever it is. And we can tend to want to be that way uh, because, you know, that's our gifts and we see them because we use them and we enjoy them and we know them. Um, you know, uh, we feel like everybody else should be that way. You know, I, I, uh, I, I sometimes I get frustrated in, in the sense is because uh, one of the gifts I know I have is just, you know, that gift of help. So if I see something... Uh, you know, an administration, I see something that's kind of out of order or I see something that needs to be done, you know, I can, I just see it and I rush to it and I, I get it done. It's just part of who I am. But, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I've sat in church over the years and I'm thinking, dude, you're sitting right, this person is working so hard right next to you. They're cleaning this, they're putting this away, they're doing this and you're just sitting there jabber John when we could be putting all this stuff away and getting this done and can't you see all the work there is and they're just sitting there laughing and talking to somebody and it used to bother me because I used to think you know come on can't you see what's going on here and and you know the Lord's always faithful to show me is listen not everybody is called to do what you're doing they're called maybe maybe uh, you know and most likely they're called they're given that gift to you know, their heart is to, you know, to be, to minister and to be used in a whole different way. It's, it's, you know, it's ministry with that person, or maybe it's a gift of knowledge or wisdom or exhortation they're giving them there, you know, or something is going on there and that, and it doesn't mean that, you know, you should leave that to do this because that's what the Lord is calling you to do. And, you know, it, it, you know, it would frustrate me at times. I think, you know, come on, can't you see what's going on? And the Lord's so faithful as well, you know, not, 
I didn't give everybody to be like you. You're not all a bunch of drones, right? And everybody has a, a function and a role to, to play. And we can't say one gift is more important than another gift. We can't elevate somebody because they have this gift and somebody else doesn't have that. And you can't say, well, you're really not important because really what's the most important part is the eye, let's say, or the mouth is the most important because it gets a lot of attention or, or this or that. Uh, you know, some will say, you know, uh, yeah, it, if, you know, everybody was an, an eye and the ear said, well, you know, okay, that's great. The eye is most important, but you need feet. Well, feet aren't really that important compared to an eye. Oh yeah, what if a car barreling at you at 60 miles an hour is coming at you, you see it, but you don't have any feet. You can't get out of the way, right? You're going to get smashed. You need your feet, right? It's just all important. Uh, you know, they're all needed. Uh, you can't just say this is more important or this is more nece necessary than another. They all work together. And we need to remember that. And we need to encourage those who have those gifts to use those gifts the way uh, the Lord is intended to use the gifts and faithful to use our gifts the way he's called us to, to do and know that people are going to be different. They have different gifts. And uh, again, we're all needed and we're to honor all parts. Okay. Well, I, I like this quote too. Um, this is another good one. It says, even as every cell in a human body is linked by a common root, which is the DNA code, yet parts of our bodies or members look different, are treated differently, work differently, and accomplish different purposes. Even so, there is a great diversity in the body of Jesus Christ, both in appearance and function. Yet each member has a common root and a common goal. So, I, you know, I like how that, you know, is, is summed up. And again, at the end, you know, uh, uh, verse 18, you know, it, it, it's because God has placed us where it pleases Him. This is what pleases Him. I don't know about you, but, you, you know... Sometimes we can lose track of this, and I, and I can't speak for anybody but myself, obviously, but I can tend to be full of, well, what pleases me? What, what do I want to see? How do I want to do, or how do I want this? Or, you know, it's all about me, what pleases me. And I, you know, I work every day very diligently at pleasing myself. <laughs> but it's great to sit back and say, well, wait a minute, it's not about me, Lord, how can I please you? And I always think that's a great question to ask yourself. You know, we got to sit back as, you know, when's the last time I said, Father, I want to please you. How can I please you? And if you even think in your own mind right now, you know, if I were to ask everybody and we had time to hear everybody's answer, you know, if I asked you, what pleases our Heavenly Father? Uh, you know, how would you answer? It's good to, work out that mental exercise in your mind. And when was the last time I asked you, Father, what can I do to please you? And one of the things is to use those gifts that he has given us uh, accordance to his will and to his plan. And, and if he gives us the gift, he wants us to use it. And am I using it? Um, you know, am I using it at half? Am I using it at a quarter? Am I just barely using it once a month? Or am I using it, man, every opportunity the Lord gives me to use that gift? And we just read some there in um, Romans chapter 12. You know, whatever we're given, do it diligently. Uh, let's go back and look at that verse. Sorry, Ethan, I'm torturing you there. But like, right, if a man's gift is prophesying, well, do it, you know? How much faith are you given? Well, do it, right? If it's serving, get out there and help out. Not just this and be done with it, but how about this and how about that? You know, if it's teaching and, and, or encouraging, are, are you doing that? If it's giving, you know, how much are you giving? Man, do it generously. If it's leading and you're doing, putting all these things together, well, get out there and do that, you know? If it's showing mercy, you know, do it cheerfully. Oh, great. There's somebody else I have to show mercy. Oh, you know, okay, I did that. That's good enough. No, do more. Do, you know, how much are we using it? How much do we want to use it? 
I, I think it's so important that we do that. You, you know, um, it's really not up to us to try to change our position either. It, it's uh, to rest in the place that God has for us right now. Uh, you know, I, I think we should all find rest in the gifts that He has given to us now and desire, Lord, if you choose to change that, absolutely, I'm open to that. But, you know, um, it's not working at changing this. I really want to do this. I really want to, okay, Lord, well, maybe it's not the right time. Maybe that's not the gift He wants to give you. And so we need to rest where we are in that. Now, He will say in a few verses here, well, at the end of the chapter, to eagerly desire uh, the best gifts. Uh, and again, you know, he's going to encourage to love and assist the body. We'll talk about that. But allow him to use the gifts in what he's given you right now. Uh, you know, we can't ever have the attitude, well, I, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that until, you know, I, I, I'm, I have this position in the church or I'm doing this in the church or, you know, not till I'm over here or I'm able to do that. Then, you know, I, I don't do that. I don't do this. I don't do this. The only really thing I'm interested in doing and serving at the church is, you know, in this role or that role, I don't really do anything else. Sad to say, I, I, I've heard a number of people say that, you know, over the years. I said, well, we have a, you know, there's a need here, and, uh, you know, I don't do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, we can never have that attitude. It's just wrong. Okay, Lord, if you're opening the door, if you're moving, you're using, uh, you're going to give me the grace, you're going to do this, uh, and, uh, you know, I want to serve. I want to do what you want to do, and who knows what he's going to do with that. Uh, again, we want to do what pleases Him. Well, verse 19 kind of ends that whole section there. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? So if you're all eyes, what would you be? If you're all ears, right? You're all hands, right? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. So again, can you imagine if everybody had the same gift? How would that be? If everybody had all hands, <laughs> How, where would walking be, right? You understand what he's starting to say here. Everybody has something, but nobody has everything, right? Not everybody has everything, but everybody has something. And if we all do our part, then the body of Christ functions, you know, the church functions well in, in a local congregation and into a larger body of Christ. So important that we understand that. We, we all have roles don't have to be jealous. Don't have to think they're better or worse or anything else. We all have a place given by God to please Him, to accomplish His will in the body of Christ, in the church, in our lives. So important for us to understand that. Well, he'll continue on in, in verse 21 when you're looking down at that. Uh, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head of the feet, I have no need of you, no much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow great, greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Okay, so, you know, it just kind of naturally flows out in our way of thinking that, you know, there are some spiritual superstars because they're the ones that get the attention. And typically it's the mouth, right? The person doing the teaching or you know, the worship leader or, you know, somebody like that in a church. They t typically tend to get the attention and, you know, they, they're looked upon in a little different way. Although, you know, being a pastor and certainly everything is, is a little different calling, but, you know, certainly is the attention on that. But just by reading these verses here, you know, know that in heaven, the ones that get the more attention down here, I really believe we get into heaven, we're going to see some real shocks because we're going to see the person that 
people really didn't know, but were, were using their gifts and praying or, or helping or serving in some way and, or showing mercy. And then behind the scenes where nobody ever knew, you know, one day, you know, I, I believe in heaven, God's going to hold them front and center. And, you know, this was a spiritual superstar in this church, or these were the spiritual superstars in this church. And, and you know, the pastor or the, the ones that stood up in front and that are seen the most are somewhere way down here down the line. Uh, you know, again, uh, because that one person, you know, every time somebody was sick in the church, they'd make them a batch of, of cookies and bring it over or, you know, help them mow their lawn or pay their PG&E bill or went over there just to talk to them and spent time with them, encouraging them or went over to the the rest homes. We don't call them rest homes anymore, do we? What do we call them? You know, those Senior centers, thank you. Senior centers and visiting them, you, you know, just all vital importance that don't get very much attention, and we need them all. You know, we, we they're just so important to us all. And, and you know, the Lord it, it may not get much attention on this side of heaven, but one day, you know, the Lord's going to recognize that, and we need to understand that they're all vitally important. And a person can't think, well, because nobody really knows what I'm doing, then, you know, how can it be important? How can it be having impactful? And that's, uh, you know, th that's completely untrue. It just, it's being faithful at what we've been given and doing it faithfully and serving that way unto Him. You're not doing it for anybody else. And again, everybody's vitally important. They all need to work. Um, you remember some time ago, Annabelle fell down the stairs and... Um, broke a lot of things, but, you know, one of those things is just this tendon. And, um, you, you know, Carl, you know what a tendon looks like. I, I've seen pictures of them, but it's just this little stringy-looking thing, right? And, and you got to think that this little stringy thing kept your whole ankle and foot working, right? I mean, you know what I mean? It was just, you, you would think, well, the foot, okay, the foot's significant. I can be a ballerina or whatever, you know, I can run, I can jump, you know, the foot's got so much, but without this tendon, the foot is like useless, but nobody, right, nobody thinks of this tendon as anything special, it's just this little, not a sausage looking thing, but a little rubber band. rubber band, thank you, that's what I was looking for, like a little rubber band, what significant is that? Well, without that little rubber band, try walking, right? We found that out, Annabelle couldn't walk, it was just impossible. So again, you know, you think this little rubber band in your body is a little insignificant, but as a matter of fact, without that, you're not moving around at all. So we all have different gifts and abilities to help the whole body, so everything is needed, and that's what he's saying here. And again, I think it's important that we need to know what he has for us. He's all given us all a gift, at least one, and I believe most of us he's given multiple gifts and we need to know what they are, and again, we're rewarded based on how faithful we are uh, to what He's given us. You know, Jesus said that on so many places. Not who notice us or how much attention we get, but by being faithful to what He's given us to do and the gifts He's given us to be a part of the body. And all these work together because He chooses to give those gifts to certain people and as it says in verse uh, 25, there shouldn't be any schism or any, f I like the word schism. I like schism. It just sounds so cool, right? But, you know, there shouldn't be any fighting, right? Oh, that's more important. Oh, that person speaks in tongues. Well, they're more spiritual than somebody. Oh, that person is given the gift of prophecy once in a while. Or that person this or this person that, you know. And, well, those are the ones that get all these attention. No, there shouldn't be any fighting. Oh, God bless that they have that gift. You know, mine's just... You know, helping keep the, the books straight or helping, you know, mow the church lawn or taking care of this or helping visiting people or whatever it might be. And they're all necessary. They're all important. And the converse of that, verse 26, and if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. So again, you know, if one hurts, all of us do. 
if one great thing happens by being used by this gift a person does, then everybody rejoices. Oh man, how come they, you know, got to do that or see that or you know, man, they were used and 25 people came to know the Lord or 10,000 people came to know the Lord or you know, this really changed and this person, you know, we all rejoice in that. And and you know, when one of them hurts, when one of them suffers, we all, uh, you know, suffer as well. Again, you can't walk by it, you know, when we change sofas, uh, you know, you walk by it and, and I just jam my toes a few times. I can tell you, my toe wasn't the only thing hurting, right? You jam your toe, you, you hit something with your toe, your whole body feels it, right? It's not just, oh, my toe's hurting, but the rest of my arms, everything else, you know, you feel it everywhere. That's the idea behind this. When great things happen, we all rejoice. When, when something's suffering or not working or a person, you know, is having a difficult, then we all We're all connected. That's the important thing that we see. We work together. We all have this common thing. God gives us gifts as He pleases. We recognize all those gifts. We're encouraged by all those gifts. We use ours faithfully. Uh, We trust in Him and how He gives and where He places us and know that we're all connected. Verse 20 says, And we're all one body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and a variety of tongues. So as we're getting close to the last part of this chapter here, even as the human body is unified as a whole, but there's many different parts, you know, there's also many different parts uh, in the body of Christ. And then he lists them here. So the first we have apostles. And you know, somebody defined this as special ambassadors of the church, uh, and they are. Now, again, Paul and others in his day, the, the, what we call the 12 disciples, right, had a unique, and then there was others. There was James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, and there was a few others in the church. They had this unique apostolic authority, which will never be repeated because they were the Lord was using those particular people to build the foundation of of the church and they set that foundation and you can look that up in Ephesians chapter 2 it, it talks about that so we have those people uh, that are the special ambassadors but we also have apostles today because really there it also you know it really means to be sent out sent out ones uh, and there was a special, obviously, one that Jesus did specifically to establish the church. But today, uh, you know, you could call uh, missionaries, um, you know, people that are sent out, whether it's in this country or out of this country, you know, you could, you could call them an apostle as well. So uh, they're both defined in the New Testament here, the special ones and then, you know, others that are apostles that aren't specifically used in that unique apostolic authority there. So you have those guys. Then you have prophets, again, speaking forth the word of God and, and, and with the gift of prophecy and speaking at the future at times, absolutely as well. Then there's teachers, what we're doing now, and hopefully there's a prophetic aspect to what we're doing right now too. Um, but again, don't Think of just teachers as being somebody behind some wooden box, right? Some pulpit. It's far more than this. Size is not important. You can be a teacher to one person. You know, uh, we would call that more maybe discipleship, but you're teaching somebody. Uh, it could be a family member. It could be your children. It could be your brother or sister. It could even be parents. It could be uh, people that you know at work, uh, you know, at, at school, uh, you know, in your neighborhood, and your extended family. You know, teaching goes a, a, long, a long past just behind somebody behind a pulpit in front of a group of people. And it could be a group of little children in a, in a church class uh, or a youth group or anything. It's not the size or, um, you know... Uh, the place it has in the church necessarily, it's, it, it's, it's got a great and important um, gift that's given, and we need to use it when we have given to us. It's, again, it's, it's very important. I mean, just think of the person that really maybe brought you to the Lord and helped you mature in the Lord. 
You know, they were, they were teaching you. You know, they're showing you scripture. They were encouraging you in this. And this problem happened and, you know, they wouldn't, you know, instruct and bring you back to the word of God and really did all that. You know, that, that's part of teaching. And there's so much more to it than just behind a, a pulpit. And we, we need to continue to do that. And so it doesn't matter if it's one person or, uh, you know, a hundred people or a thousand or 10,000 or whatever it is, right? It's teaching we need to be those that teach. And then um, miracles or workers of miracles. So again, used by God to do miracles. We, we talked about that. We already gone over that, kind of rehearsed that earlier on. And then, of course, we talked about the gifts of healings. Again, it's plural. It's not the gift of healing. Um, it's the gifts plural of healings, because it's in so many different ways, and it's broad. And then he adds something here we didn't have earlier in the list. You notice it's helps. Um, helps, the gift of helps. What does that mean? I, I like somebody use this illustration. Imagine, here's your ATM machines there, and imagine, uh, I, I like this, you know, a worker went in to change the ATM uh, the door to go behind there, and he's in there, and he's there to, to change the lock on the door, and he gets, you know, locked into the ATM machine, and he starts putting 20s in his pocket. No, I'm just kidding. He gets locked in there. So, you know, uh, and he is calling out for help. Well, how does the gift of helps looking, right? You know, well, what are you going to do? The gift of helps guy is going to be, you know, hey, how can I get this door? Okay, can we pry it from here? Can we do this? Can we get that here? Can we can we push it open this way? If I get a screwdriver, can I do this? Can you open this from, you know, he's out there. Another person's going to be on the phone calling, you know, uh, you know, 911 or something like this, or just ignoring it and going off or something. But, you know, a person with helps is actually seeing something, and you recognize it that you know they need help in some way, and, and you know it goes out to you. It, it that's something that I believe all of us can have in multiple times in, in multiple circumstances. I I forgot where it was. I, I saw Ethan do that. There was somebody I don't know, was coming out of the store or something. I can't remember. We were together doing something, and somebody kind of had a you know a heavy bag. It was an older gal, and he just you know jumped right over there and grabbed it and helped her out. And did all that, and you know, I was, <laughs> I was kind of oblivious to it, to be honest with you, until I saw him do it. I go, oh man, I guess I should have done that. But you know, that was it—the gift of help, right there, to help this person in this situation, and uh, you know, or to help uh, a person, you know, who's can't get around because of a surgery or this or that. Again, you know, the gift of helps is such a broad, broad thing. Um, to me, the, the spiritual gift of helps is wonderful and is completely diverse in so many areas. Uh, you know, uh, again, from helping somebody with this, getting out of a grocery bag. Uh, you know, I'll still, I still love the story. <laughs> I was parked over here in the parking lot of the grocery store. And I think I sent one of the children in to get something out of the store or something. I can't remember why I sit in the car. I usually don't sit in the car, but I did this one time. And oh, I think it, I know what it was. It was raining, and there's one thing, and I, you know, I just, I'll just, just go in and grab it. So I sat and I watched this car right in front of me, and here was a guy on his phone, and he had his music going and all this kind of stuff. And then I noticed his, you know, his, his poor wife is coming out with two smaller children, and the car, grocery cart full of bags, and uh, you know, uh, you know. Uh, it's raining. She's got these two children she's trying to navigate, and one's in the cart in the seat, and one's in, you know, walking next to it, holding on. And it's raining. She's trying to get these bags in. Her husband's just sitting there on his phone, and then she knocks on the back window, and I think he unlocks the car, and she opens it up, and, you know, starting to put these bags in, and the kids are, you know, getting around. She's getting soaked, and then she goes around and puts the kids in the car seat, and eventually she jumps in, and her husband's just sitting there, you know, on his phone, and looks at her, okay, looks around in his rearview mirror, okay, everybody's in, and he takes off. I'm thinking, man, that guy, you know, uh, Certainly, uh, you know, doesn't have uh, any, any sense of, of helping at all, right? It's just all about me and what I'm doing and how I'm entertained or how I'm taken care of. 
And, and again, the gifts of help is such an important part, uh, you know, to help people out. Uh, you know, somebody is sick. Um, you know, we were sick a few weeks ago. Somebody dropped off soup or, you know, uh, went by Eric's Deli and you, you give them something or you make something for them. And, you know, they, they see something doesn't look nice in the bathroom at church and they fix it or put the toilet paper out or somebody's car doesn't start at church. So they offer to fix it, um, you know. Somebody says, oh, I know if everybody comes to church, they'd love to have a cup of coffee and a donut before church, and so I'm going to make sure we have coffee and donuts. Or, you know, it, the list is just endless, and it's so diverse. And it's something that everyone can do. Um, again, uh, you know, in Mark chapter 15, um, you know, it talks about Luke and, uh, or it talks about Mark and, um, and Mark, the women that followed Jesus. And it kind of gives them that list there. And, you know, you think, of course, Luke, who was helping Paul, and, and Mark, who was part of Paul and Peter's life. And, and again, the listing of those women helped. You know, they, they, they had the gift of helps. They were making sure. You know, how do you think Jesus went around and, and ate and did stuff and took care of all these things? There was this group that would just follow them. And, and it was seemed like a key, you know, six, seven ladies. Maybe it was more than that because only some of them are named that were just taking care of everything. Because, you know, you didn't go to the grocery store and all of a sudden make food. You know, you had to take the wheat and, you know, smash it or something or buy grain and make it and bake it. And it was everything, right? It was an all-day thing to get meals going. Somebody had to do all that, make sure there's a place for them to sleep and all this. They're just, you know, so many people behind the scenes using this gift of helps. And uh, we can't just think, well, somebody's going to take care of that. You know, I see it, but... You know, I know somebody else is going to take care of that. I, I know somebody will see that and do that. Man, that should never be our heart. Like, oh, yeah, I know that's not working, or this is broken down, or, yeah, their car won't start, or they're in need of help over here, or they just need somebody to put an arm around them, or this or that. And so, you know, I know somebody at the church will take care of that. Man, if you see it, and the Lord shows you it, He's calling you to do it. And the gift of helps is that important. Um, and again, I'll finish up with this. You know, I, you know, when I started out in the church, uh, you know, that that's pretty much what I did, right? My heart was just, you know what, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I just I'll help out. I know I can mow the grass. I know I can fix sprinklers. I know I can clean this. I know I can do this. I know I can, you know, print out bulletins. I can do whatever. Pick up trash. Um, again, what can you do? The Lord wants to use you in that. And let's finish off. The last one is administrations, and we need administrators. Remember, that's a spiritual gift. Some of you think they're just a, a numbers guy or an organizer in some way. Um, you know, they're not really the people with great visions or ministries or outreaches and all that. But you need somebody behind the scenes putting these things together and organizing and getting lists made and budgets prepared and making sure these resources are there. Administration is very important. It helps keep everything running. The bills are paid and people are organized. There's people that teach the children. The supplies are stocked. You know, things get organized. And I think how important those things are for the church as well. And lastly, he talks about a variety of tongues, which we've talked about, and we'll, we'll talk again. And let's finish up with this. Verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts? Again, it's emphasized not everybody will have some or all of these gifts. But our place in the body determines what best gifts are given to us by the Lord for our ministry. Just remember that. And we'll talk about it. Do all speak in tongues. Again, that, if you like to highlight that, and those that like to say the gift of tongues is evident of the Holy Spirit. And so if you're, you're not saved, you're not full of the Holy Spirit at least, if you don't speak in tongues, clearly it says here not everybody will have that gift. So that throws that whole thinking out. And I'll just note that one. But the gifts, you know, our place in the body determines what best gifts are for us. 
And then he says at the end here, yet I will show you a more excellent way. And that's our introduction to chapter 13. Uh, you know, we desire the power of a spirit in our lives. As we'll see, love demonstrates a deeper walk with God than the exercise of spiritual gifts. But we'll save that for next time. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for these gifts. And I know it's long and a little bit maybe arduous at um, uh, going through them, but they're just so, so important. You say not to be ignorant about these things. You want us to know them, and it's important that we do know them. Lord, it helps us to keep us from, how come you're not doing this? How come you're not doing that? Uh, you know, this is what I do, this is what I do, and we want everybody to do the same things we do when we can clearly see that's not your intention. Everybody has different gifts. Yes, some will have the same, absolutely, but uh, we need the diversity, just as we need the diversity in the parts of our bodies, Lord. And Lord, the reminder that we all have those gifts, and they're all given by you specifically tailored for us and the ministry that you have us in the body of Christ and in the church. So you've given them to us, at least one, and most of us have a number of them, and we want to be those that use them and understand those and put them into action, Lord. Encourage those that maybe aren't using them or don't know what they have or, you know, and, and explaining those things and, and showing them and, and, again, demonstrating them more importantly in our lives, Lord. And, and again, it just, the last thing it does, Lord, it just really blesses us because it just tells you how much you love us and you love your church, your bride. You want us to have everything and, and equip us in every way and in everything we need. And uh, we thank you for that, because that just demonstrates your, uh, your incredible love and passion you have for us and, and for all of us uh, collectively as the church, Lord. And so we do thank you for that. Help us to be those that use these gifts, recognize them, aren't afraid to use them and seek them, Lord, and are faithful in carrying out what you've given us to do, Lord. Help us to be those people, Father, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, you guys. Next time we'll be in 1 Corinthians 13.